0: This is the THORN Podcast, Performance Edition, the show that navigates the complex world of sports science and explores the latest research on diet, nutritional supplements, and the human body. I'm Joel Totoro, Director of Sports Science at THORN. As a reminder, statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Thorne Podcast Performance Edition. We're excited to be joined today by Brian Jordan. Brian is the Technical Manager for the Certified for Sport program at NSF. Prior to joining NSF, Brian enjoyed a long career in Major League Baseball and has nearly 20 years of experience in high performance, working with professional athletes and organizations. He's a wealth of information, and we're happy to welcome Brian to the podcast. Brian, how's it going? Great, Joel. How are you? Doing great, man. You know, it's weird. Normally you and I are crossing paths at every major science conference and whatnot. So it's good to be able to see you and and catch up. I know our conversations always start casual and end up super technical in science, which I love. So happy to have you on the the podcast and kind of share some of that knowledge with our listeners. So I know you well, but our listeners don't. So can you dive a little bit just back into your background and your life in sport and science and kind of how that all rolls into one?
1: Hey Joel, thanks for having me. Yeah, normally we would be uh, having coffee and, and talking uh, at the, a lot of the conferences, as you said, a lot of great conferences out there, but certainly we're not traveling and seeing each other very much. Hopefully we'll be able to do that going forward here in the near future. Yeah, my background, I was fortunate to spend you know 16 years in professional baseball as a strength conditioning coach, as you had mentioned I was born and raised in in Maine. So, as a young man uh, coming out of New England, I know you grew up in the Northeast as well. No, I had an opportunity to uh, to go to school in Massachusetts, and then uh, you know go into baseball from there. Professional baseball as a strength conditioning coach, and then you know once that uh, came to an end, uh, you know my family and I live out here in Colorado. Nice to be home. Working with NSF now. I've been with NSF for five years as their certified for sport technical manager, which Means I get to help uh, run the Certified for Sport program, but also educate athletes, educate practitioners on the Certified for Sport program. But also, uh, I still stay involved with strength conditioning. And obviously, I presented uh, at some of these clinics and symposiums and conferences as well. Happy with talking about dietary supplements and and that side of things as a former practitioner in strength conditioning.
0: Yeah, I think it's super unique and important to have someone of your experience and kind of seeing you know, supplementation and safety of of athlete safety and wellness as a parent, as a practitioner, as a scientist on on kind of the other side. So um, first, I kind of wanted to hear a little bit about your background in Major League Baseball with the Colorado Rockies and Detroit Tigers. And during your time in Major League Baseball, you were there at a time when, you know, we were going through the steroid era, the Mitchell Report, and you saw kind of how baseball responded to that. Can you talk a little bit about kind of just in general, how you saw supplementation awareness and use grow? over your time, and then kind of the response and the regulation. Yeah, Joel.
1: As we know, early, well, late 90s, you know, what dietary supplements uh, industry was beginning to grow, right? It was uh, not a mature market at that time. So really found that you know, athletes were not using dietary supplements a whole lot back then. When I first got in, there was a handful of companies that were, you know, the big brands that people were interested in. Uh, but for the most part, uh, especially in baseball and major League baseball, there wasn't a whole lot of dietary supplement use. When the uh, Mitchell report and you know other I guess awareness people came became aware of steroid use when the drug testing program was implemented, then you start to see you know some changes, some changes in um, use of dietary supplements also uh, really saw some changes in uh, in nutrition overall because, anyone that was in, in baseball and really probably sports in general, you really um, saw that there was a deficiency I would say in what was fed to athletes, um, especially outside of, of football. And so, you know, there's really was a, a focus uh, shift to better nutrition. There's a focus shift into performance enhancement through uh, supplementation. So, you know, as that evolved, you, you know, obviously the supplement use became more prevalent in, uh, in major league baseball. More and more athletes was uh, you know, using supplements to help recover and, and to aid in their performance.
0: So how would you say kind of that experience in seeing that impact on athlete safety and wellness, how did that kind of lead you to your current role?
1: Yeah, so the Certified for Sport program was first started in early 2000s as being part of you know, Major League Baseball staff. In sport, you wear many hats. So my role, I was in charge of dietary supplement awareness, education, purchasing, all of that. And that became a greater role once uh, drug testing was implemented. And then the Certified for Sport program was developed by NSF and Major League Baseball and the NFL adopted that to protect their athletes against contamination and drug testing failures. And so... I spent a better part of my career as a strength conditioning coach in baseball, implementing the certified for sport program and really knowing more about it to educate the athletes about it and also, you know, dietary supplements. So when the job opened up at NSF, you know, I was interested I was interested in um, knowing more about it, interested in being on the other side where I could work with a program that I had implemented or been part of an implementation and the oversight of it, you know, as a practitioner to be there on the other side of that and being able to develop it as well.
0: So we discussed uh, Major League Baseball a little bit there, but can you talk about how supplement safety as a whole and how that regulation from, you know, league level to athlete driven has changed over time and kind of the awareness and adoption of NSF as the gold standard?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the regulation, obviously, with dietary supplements has evolved over time just from that standpoint. So obviously, back in mid-90s, you know, there was a structure put in place with dietary supplements that has, you know, increased over time. The FDA has increased the regulations and protecting consumers. And along that same line, you know, Major League Baseball and other, you know, NFL, NHL, other leagues and other sports have adopted, you know, a similar path of regulations that you know protect their athletes. So their regulations has evolved into identifying that NSF certified for sport program mitigates the risk of athletes consuming a dietary supplement that would cause a drug testing failure. So there's been, you know, years and years now that has been adopted to protect their athletes with anything that's been put in the clubhouses that, you know, obviously athletes have a choice, but trying to educate them on the fact that there is risk out there with dietary supplement contamination, and that's you know at the manufacturing level, that's at the raw material level, that can be in many different ways. There's a uh, you know a lot of good companies like Thorne Research that uh, you know, provides good nutrition to athletes and supplementation, but there also are some out there that are unscrupulous, you know are, are hiding in the shadows a little bit. That third-party certification that NSF Certified for Sport provides uh, a layer of protection for those athletes consuming dietary supplements.
0: I think you brought up a really good point. I know, kind of talking to the general population who, you know, who's not there day to day, there's kind of this preconceived notion that, you know, any positive test is intentional. You know, there's an intent to cheat. But as you talked about, there are some, we're seeing more adulterated supplements. So, what are kind of the most common issues you see with athletes and supplementation in general?
1: Yeah. So, there's no question that there are the doping athletes out there. And we saw with a a Russian doping scandal and, and there's you know plenty of examples, but yes, there are some. There's a good number of cases, unfortunately, in the past five years or so, and uh, even historically, that there's been some unintentional doping cases, which have come by the way of consuming dietary supplements, functional foods, things like that, that have been um, you know contaminated. And like I said before, you know some of that contamination level can be at the manufacturing facility, it can be at the raw material, but those substances have been recently more in the, the arms of selective antigen uh, receptor modulators. It's an unapproved drug that uh, has been designed for you know, muscle wasting and many of the other uses that, you know, antibiotics steroids and other things have been developed for. But those have shown up in uh, a lot of these cases and some of these contaminated products. There's also been your typical weight loss you know, products that have, um, you know, stimulants, amphetamines, things like that, that's been found in them. That's pretty much the, the the bulk of, you know, some of the, I guess, categories that you find it, but, you know, it's showing up in, in a lot of different places now that it's a little less targeted to find classes of products that you could find before that were the, the big ones that were uh, adulterated or contaminated.
0: So, Brian, we touched briefly on kind of what we call the Russian scandal. I know on our end we've seen a lot of response to that. It kind of brought the idea of safe supplementation and performance-enhancing drugs, and kind of the importance of that world anti-doping, U.S. anti-doping lists of banned substances, and, and kind of really brought back the conversation: of what that means to athletes—to not only you know be ethical, but also be safe. Uh, so, can you dig a little bit more into that and talk about how how you saw the response to that expose or, or information?
1: Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people were shocked whether you're in sport, whether you're in the anti-doping community, whether you're in the public eye, or whether you're just a a general consumer of sports. I think everyone was shocked that one, they could pull it off. These bottles were being opened that were, and I've been a drug tested athlete as a strength conditioning coach. I was drug tested uh, several times each year. So the Berlinger bottles uh, that were were popped open, I've seen them and looked at them firsthand uh, and see the locking mechanism. So. I was shocked that they could open them and then you know have a sophisticated system where they could change out the samples so that their athletes were not testing positive for the systematic doping that was going on in Russia. So I think everyone was amazed and, and taken back by how that could possibly happen and no one really knew about it. And the only way anyone knew about it was because of a whistleblower. But you know, that certainly you know piqued a lot of people's interest in how do we curb this doping in sport because there's uh, it's been around for a while, but it doesn't go away, right? It doesn't diminish a whole lot. It seems like it just shifts and changes. So, you know, trying to find ways to reach young athletes, to reach, you know, people that are in position of authority or, or the gatekeepers to athletes, how can you get to them and teach them that doping is not a, a choice that, uh, how can you do things the right way? How can you find ways to recover and do things and not doing it uh, that's illegal and cheating. And so I think that uh, really started uh, escalating the conversation again about education, the importance of education, options, what are the choices that people can have when it comes to making decisions and that this doping can't be uh, an option and that how can we work with people to, uh, to root this out eventually.
0: Okay, great. So we've talked uh, a bunch about you know the term NSF certified for sport. Let's just dig a little bit more into what that actually means and, and what it takes to be certified.
1: Yeah. So the NSF certified for sport program, uh, it begins at the manufacturing level, as as you know firsthand. You know NSF verifies that the manufacturing facility is abiding by good manufacturing practices. So what that means is we actually have an auditor that goes on site routinely, up to two times a year to. Audit the facility for the SOPs in place that they are, you know, cleaning the machines properly. They're documenting in uh, their batch records, their uh, manufacturing you know, records, you know, quality people that are in place to, you know, make decisions about the finished product. If there's a recall or things like that. So our artists go into the facility and audit, and then there's uh, corrective actions that they go in place thereafter. If there's anything that's been found by the facility and then, you know, they, they get uh, certified or registered. And then the next step in the process is the um, testing of the labels for their claims. We test to the NSF ANSI 173 standard, which means that we're testing for heavy metals, pesticides, contaminants as well for what's being claimed on the product and what's in the product itself. You know, also you know, calories to protein and everything else that's um, you know, in that product, verifying that, that they do meet those claims. Then the last step is the banned substance testing, which we are now testing for two hundred and eighty banned substances, which is based off of mainly the WADA prohibited substance list, but also Major League Baseball, the NFL have their lists that we use to look for those substances in these dietary supplements that uh, would be found or could be found in those products.
0: Yeah, now I've super fortunate. I actually lived pretty much next door to the the campus up there in Ann Arbor for a little while, so I get to see firsthand how robust your science department is. Can you talk to a little bit about, to our listeners about kind of the depth of the science team you have there and kind of the steps it takes to, I know we've all seen the documentaries on, you know, Russia and whatnot, how how much intention there is to say ahead of these designer performance enhancing drugs so that there is a test for them to add to that banned substance list as science evolves and they come to be seen more and more in athletes.
1: Yeah. So, you know, our lab staff there uh, have a a tremendous job of developing methods to test for these substances. Fortunately, we have a great relationship with many anti-doping agencies and also, you know, uh, other sports leagues, their anti-doping departments and programs. So we Compare notes. We, um, you know, try to stay ahead of what's out there, what could be found in dietary supplements, what levels those would be found in, you know, a a failure, a drug testing failure. And then obviously we have to develop methods at NSF for testing for that in dietary supplements and then certifying that. So we have uh, an analytical chemist that uh, does a great job with developing reference materials, synthetic reference materials, to be able to test for that in the products. And then. You know we develop methods uh, to do that so they have to validate those methods and include those into the the banned substance screen and we typically at least once a year and sometimes twice a year we'll update the banned substance list for uh, those new substances so this this uh, year we in the past uh would say two months i think three months we've added another five no, seven substances you know a few of them are SARMs a few of them are stimulants beta two agonists so we have, you know, a a process in place in which we identify what the substances are, identify if they would uh, be relevant in a um, dietary supplement or functional food, because some of them, as you know, are um, you know maybe digested in the stomach. They're uh, noble gases that are on the uh, you know wattle list and things like that that are irrelevant to the banned substance screen. So. Yeah, our, our scientists are constantly adding things and developing methods and validating those methods and then we finally get to put it in the screen and start screening for those in certified products.
0: All right, so you touched a little bit on the, on this and I, I kind of there's a story I tell often when, when talking to people. Uh, I was working with an athlete that was training in a, you know a very well-known ski town, you know at this elite facility, pristine, beautiful, And we were just having these performance issues and we couldn't figure out why. And and after a bunch of testing, it, it turned out, you know, his local kind of guru was giving him this electrolyte from these mountain spring waters, which sounds amazing, right? We all see the commercials, but in reality, it was just like loaded with heavy metals, which were having a toll on his body, right? So you touched a little bit on that, about how, you know, there's more than just that banned substance list, that that NSF sport certification tests for. Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, the heavy metals and the toxins and kind of some of the stuff you see there?
1: Yeah. So when the standard was developed, uh, the big point of it was to screen for heavy metals, the pesticides and the contaminants that can be found in everything from whey protein to multivitamins to, you know, a lot of your earth sourced, as you're mentioning, ingredients. So you know, we test for, you know, lead, we're testing for mercury, we're testing for arsenic. Pesticides, you know, biphosphate, there's a ton of pesticides that can be found, you know, in these uh, you know, botanicals. And then, you know, obviously micro, we're testing for, you know, micro. We test for micro to make sure that, that, you know, people aren't getting sick. And that's that, that's a big point of emphasis with that is that these are are huge impacts on on health if there's uh found in in these products and if they're found at you know levels that would cause uh you know a strain on in the health system uh of the body so we're testing for those at the the levels that are determined by regulatory and health uh, organizations so these are based off of uh the standard which is a joint committee decision and that's you know everyone from industry to regulatory to health practitioners and doctors as well that um, get to decide what the levels are and appropriate levels for those to be uh, found in, in products. So the whole idea is to uh, make sure that there's nothing that's gonna harm anyone and that uh, you, know, you don't have athletes that are consuming products or consuming things that is draining the system. It should be you know, supplementing and, pro- and helping in performance.
0: Awesome. So we often get questions from non-professional athletes kind of asking if they should consider NSF for sport products. And what's kind of your messaging about that? And, and kind of, you shouldn't have to be a drug tested athlete to want that level of security.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what we say to, you know, it's what I personally say to, to athletes and not a- athletes, family members, siblings, coaches, it doesn't matter. I would think that most people would want a level of quality that the certified for sport program provides and so whether you're a weekend warrior whether you're just trying to live an active lifestyle whether you're a professional athlete and everywhere in between you know to have something and know that you're taking is uh is what's inside and also to know that you're not going to consume something that would possibly interact with the drugs that you're taking for health reasons Interact with uh, y- your ability to recover and be healthy. You know that's that's something for everyone. I think everyone can identify uh, the value of that. And obviously, Thorne does a great job of providing a lot of products and a lot of choices when it comes to products that ha- are the upper end of quality and safety.
0: Great. So I think we'll kind of wrap up this section of the podcast with a kind of a a global question, but what do do you see the future of NSF and supplementation in general in sport? What does that look like for you?
1: Good question. I I think, you know, obviously the pandemic has thrown a lot of things on on its ear, but the online e-commerce has certainly uh, grown. And I think that's something that's escalated with the pandemic. And with that, with the pandemic and a lot of things going on, I think there's a huge emphasis growing and identification with anxiety, stress, you know, and obviously the lack of sleep plays into that. So all those things, you know, the industry seems to be heading towards the consumers' drive for wanting to find ways to help themselves preventatively, right? It's not, you know, at times we get in, caught up in athletes are the biggest uh, culprits of it. I would say that um, you react to a lot of things, but I think uh, there's more and more education, more and more knowledge out there in a growing desire to understand how you can prevent a lot of bad things from happening before they happen. So how can you find ways to sleep better, which affects your entire body, right? And then how can you eat better to, you know, prevent your immunity from dropping? How can you you know, supplement your diet to make sure that you're getting uh, your iron levels are, are high enough, or if your calcium levels are, are uh, meeting with, it, or vitamin D because you're not in outside very much, or you're in a climate where you're not uh, getting outside and in, in sunshine that that you should. So all those things, I think uh, that's where the industry is heading. I think there's a lot of good, exciting things out there with the options that people have, but that's kind of where I see things heading
0: right now. All right, excellent. So we're gonna take a quick short break here. And when we get back, we're going to talk to Brian about some of the questions our listeners have submitted. Stress, particularly chronic stress, can negatively impact every aspect of health. From cardiovascular health, to weight management, to sleep, to immune function, and everything in between. In today's stressed out society, Thorne offers a set of unique nutritional supplements that can help you manage daily stress. One example is Thorne's Hemp Oil Plus, the highest quality hemp stock oil on the market. Hemp Oil Plus is formulated with the complementary ingredients that help you better manage stress and anxious feelings. Hemp Oil Plus is just one of many unique stress support solutions Thorne offers to help you find your happy place. Visit thorne.com to learn more. That's T-H-O-R-N-E dot com. And we're back. Brian, let's jump right into some of the questions from our audience. The first one, I think it's one I've heard you answer about a thousand times, but what does NSF actually stand for?
1: Yeah, that's a question that I've answered a thousand times. That uh, NSF stands for, it used to stand for, the National Sanitation Foundation. So we dropped that, I would say, probably 10, 15 years ago, we dropped that acronym and what it stands for because NSF does so much more than what uh, it originally started out as with the National Sanitation Foundation out of the University of Michigan you know, Public School of Health, uh, as you know. We do more than water. We do um, obviously food and safety and certification of consumer goods. So we're no longer just testing water and making sure that you know, water's safe. Um, we are doing a lot more. So there is no, NSF doesn't stand for anything any longer other than NSF International, but they used to stand for um, the National Sanitation Foundation.
0: All right. This next one is going to tap into your expertise as a strength coach. So, beyond multivitamin Elite, what other NSF supplements do you suggest for powerlifters, or general advice? I would say,
1: my whenever I'm asked about supplementation, my question always goes to, "How are you eating? How are you sleeping?" (laughs) That's the first thing I ask. But, you know, I personally take multivitamin and uh, the EPA from Thorne. But as a power lifter and as a athlete, I think really the lessons to learn from this is to first and foremost look at your diet, see where you're lacking, right? Look at also where you can't meet those those needs, maybe because of travel, maybe because of uh, you know appetite or lack thereof. You know, are you sleeping? And then you know, obviously, there's ways of going in and really looking and quantifying if you're deficient in certain areas. And then, you know, obviously food, if you can eat food first, uh, do that. But, you know, a lot of people don't like, uh, you know, eating a steak after they get done working out. So, you know, obviously getting protein and those sort of things. in once you're done, uh, you know, stressing your body, trying to rebuild it back, but there's no easy answer. I think it's individual and it really has to be,
0: um, you know, a a plan and an approach that's uh, comprehensive. I think you just made a lot of your sports dietitian friends very happy with that answer, Brian. So this one I think is very important. One of our listeners asks, I see a lot of different labels and letters on, on supplements. What does it mean to be NSF certified? We touched on that a little bit, but, uh, but how do you compare to some of these other third-party certifications and you know, these letters? You, know, you and I know a little bit of what they mean and what they don't, but let, let's tell our listeners a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so the Certified for sport certification mark that goes on, on products is something that people are becoming aware of that there's a lot of education around, but there's other there's other certifications out there, um, whether that be for dietary supplements, whether it be for non-GMO, whether it be uh, organic, there's a lot of different ones. The, the certified for sport mark that are on labels represents a comprehensive, one of the if be compre- most comprehensive third-party certification for dietary supplements out there. And I say that um, without hesitation because of the, as we mentioned earlier, you know, the auditing uh, that goes into a facility to make sure that they're they're doing everything they should to protect against any kind of uh, poor quality and safety of a product. We're testing the finished product to make sure that, you know, what's on the labels inside it. And then also we're testing to make sure that there aren't things in there that are not on the label that should not be in there. And whether that's, uh, you know, the, the banned substances or whether that's, you know, you know, micro and, and heavy metals; those are things that we're testing for. So, the the NSF certified for Sport Mark should represent a level of quality and safety that's you know above and beyond what's out there existing right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. And you mentioned how strict it is just to even have a, a certified facility to even get the product into the program. And I know when we were designing our facility in Thorne, there I mean, we, there were some very intentional design layouts that were there just to because it is such a strict. Certification, you know, it can take a week to go through that checklist, so uh, it's super thorough and, and something we maybe we'll spend more time on. Kind of, it's it's very exciting behind the scenes of what goes into, you know, even just making a facility where a clean product can be made. It's it's pretty intense, but I think I, I want to dive a little bit into our next question. When something is NSF certified, does that make it safe? Does that mean it works? What are some of the are there any loopholes? Is the question we get a lot? Any ways to get around this certification or other certifications?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think um, like most things in life, there's not a hundred percent guarantee if there's motivation to sidestep things that there is. But I'll say this, that people that come to NSF for the certification program, these are good companies wanting to do right and do things well, right? They want to demonstrate that they do go above and beyond the norm and above the standard that's out there. So you know we get a lot of good brands and good companies coming in and you know they're great to work with they're doing things the right way so i would say that there is very little chance that there's some loopholes that are being exposed or or being uh, exploited in this situation i would say that there are other areas where certainly there's probably more of that because of the quality or lack thereof the companies that are coming in and what their motivations are their motivations are more about you know, making money and and, uh, and deceiving consumers than the ones that we fortunately work with and have the opportunity to work with that are not those. Those are, there are companies that want to do right by people want to have consumers want to take their products because they're of higher quality and safety. And uh, they have a mission too. I mean, NSF's mission is to protect and improve human health. Thorn Research and many others out there have a mission to, uh, to do the same, I believe. So it's very easy to work with brands you know, that are coming to
0: NSF. Yeah, I think that, that's a good point, right? You don't, you don't see criminals hanging out in front of the police station, right? So uh, <laughs> right. Uh, to that end, though, our next question is, what is the strangest thing you found in a product?
1: The strangest thing? I would say the strangest thing we found in a product that we tested was morphine in a pre-workout. We tested a pre-workout that had uh, amphetamines, all kinds of stimulants that were not on the label and also found morphine. So that's really odd to have. It was the worst pre-workout ever known uh, to have morphine in it. So that's probably the oddest thing we've we've, uh, found in a dietary supplement that we tested. And then that led to actual recall uh, and the public uh, awareness around that product because of the dangers that
0: it posed to the consumer. Yeah, so that brings us to, a, to an interesting question. So how are you certain that you don't miss something? You know, Do people just send you their cleanest batch? How do we know that kind of everything they make is, is safe? Is there a way to, uh, you know, are, is there unsafe stuff out there within the same company? Yeah, it
1: really goes back to the previous question. I, I think that, you um, you know, obviously we have to receive samples from the manufacturing facility. There's processes in place when it comes to our auditing on site and things like that, that we can cross-reference to make sure that we are not being duped, I guess. Um, you know, we're, we're checking to make sure that um, the batch records and manufacturing records line up, the lot numbers, what products we've tested with those lot numbers. There's a lot of ways that you can make sure that people are not trying to, you know, slip one by you. So I think we have a good checks and balances that prevent a lot of that from happening. But once again, yes, there's there's uh, not a 100% guarantee that some of that can't happen. But I would dare say that NSF does a really good job with our ability to you know, be on site in these facilities. Uh, and then also, once again, back to who you work with, you, you work with good people and, and good companies with good motivations. You have a tendency to, to have a good result and not have to um, deal with a lot of these issues that maybe others are dealing
0: with great so uh, one of our readers wants to know are there things that get by the FDA that the that NSF catches and, and kind of what are the differences and overlap there
1: we've done we've been part of several studies and we actually have a new study coming out uh, in a few months I believe you know so we we collaborate with Harvard and then uh, there's a a university in, in Denmark that usually we, um, we partner with, with doing some research. And we, we pull products from stores and do some sampling of these products you know, a lot of it's based off of their claims and label claims, but also just trying to find categories of products that could have banned substances in them. And yes, there are many that can slip by the FDA because the FDA does not pre-approve any dietary supplements. Dietary supplements are um, a post-market evaluation. So the FDA only becomes involved if there's reason to believe that the product is not safe. So there are these products that are out there that, that we've tested. That have uh, you know stimulants, amphetamines, other drugs in them because there's no testing of those products, and so there are some unscrupulous groups and uh, companies that are are doing some of this stuff, and you know some of them are you know I, I would dare say probably they don't know what's going on. The brands don't realize that the manufacturing facility has uh, a problem with their you know, manufacturing, where there's contamination happening, or their supply chain. Uh, has been verified very well, and they've got some some ingredients that are contaminated. So yes, there are things that slip by the FDA because the FDA, uh, how it's set up and how it regulates dietary to your supplements.
0: All right, now I saved this question for last because I think it's a good way to tee up for you to sum up kind of everything we've talked about here and kind of one short answer. But the question is, Thorne talks a lot about NSF facilities and NSF certified for sport. How big of a deal is that really?
1: I would argue that it's a, it's a huge deal. I think, you know, with what's out there, what we've talked about, you know, the risks for athletes, the risk for consumers consuming drugs and other things that are in these products, it is a big deal. You know, Thorne Research does a tremendous job of protecting athletes and also protecting consumers. And they go above and beyond so many others in the dietary supplement and functional food industry by you know, the like you'd mentioned, the uh, the facilities that you guys have that you built and, and are maintaining and abiding by these good manufacturing practices, you go above and beyond, and and that's no small feat, and that's no small cost. Uh, also, the cost of going and voluntarily certifying all your products that you have for Surface Sport, you know, twenty some odd products that you have, you're certifying. For all the things that we've talked about today you know from the label claims to you know banned substances and heavy metals you're assuring the public that they're going to get something that's of great quality and safety so i think it's a tremendously big deal and people need to be uh, aware of that Uh, more and more people need to be aware of what's out there and they can make better decisions about what they're putting in their bodies and how that has an impact on their life and their livelihood
0: Great, Brian. So, unfortunately, that's all the time we have. But I know our, our readers are going to have a ton of questions coming out of this. It was such a such a deep conversation. But where can they go to learn a little bit more about the NSF program, what it means, get some education, but also how can they find certified products? Yeah.
1: So, thanks for that question. We uh, we have a a website. We have several websites. One, the most important, I would say, for you know athletes is the Certified for Sport. Uh, it would be the nsfsport.com website. It's a great site to see listed products, but also to learn more about the Certified for Sport program. We have FAQs on there. We have a lot of videos about the Certified for Sport program, but also our, our NSF Sport app that has the list of products as well. So. We have a great app that you can scan products to see if they're certified for sport. You can look up specifically if there's certain interests that you have, certain products you're looking for, whether that be by product type, whether it be by brand. There's a lot of things that you can do with the app that that you can find certified product, find the things that you're looking for. And then lastly, the NSF.org website gives more information about nsf as a company other services that nsf provides and just kind of a, a history of nsf that's what the
0: the organizational website uh is is for as well all right that's perfect uh so that was brian jordan with nsf and thanks everyone for listening thanks for listening to the thorn podcast performance edition make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice you can also learn more about the topics we discussed by visiting thorn.com and checking out the latest news, videos, and stories on Thorn's Take 5 daily blog. For this performance edition of the Thorn Podcast, I'm Joel Totoro, reminding everyone to stay active and stay hydrated.